Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The truth will hurt sometimes. Anybody here been hurt by the truth? Right? It, it hurts. But if it's true, it behooves you to go ahead. Let me, it's hurt. That stung. Hurt my feelings. You know, but I need to receive it because it's true. If I can go back in my Bible and read it, I need to go ahead and deal with that. Uh, not run from it and not make the person that said it to me the enemy. Because that's what happens sometimes. If I do that, I'll never grow and I won't get anywhere. And so Paul said, look, I'm the one that God sent for sure to lead you guys to Christ. The truth can sometimes sting. It's important to your growth. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he explains to you that we all need to receive truth and love. When someone gives us truth without love, it can be extremely hurtful. But when we are able to receive truth and love from others, it helps our spiritual growth. Pastor Bill encourages you that it's good to know when you have blind spots. Have people in your life that can give you the truth that you need in a loving way, and it will help you to grow. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. For you guys that have been following along with us through the book of Galatians, um, the summary of it has been Paul led the Galatians to Christ. He led them. Uh, they, they, weren't, they weren't Jews. They were just Gentile non-believers. Paul went to the area of Galatia. We'll find out from today that he went there initially because he was he was going to get medical attention for his eyes, we believe. And while he was there, he ministered the gospel to them. That region, people got saved. Churches were established. Uh, a brand new, fresh work of God began. And then as Paul left, uh, people came in uh, of the Jewish faith, and we call them Judaizers, where they wanted to add to what you have to do to be saved. So we call that legalism. Anybody that adds to what a person must do to be accepted by God, anybody that adds a work to that, we would call that person a legalist. That is the legalism in its truest definition is adding something to what we have to do to be saved. There's another form of legalism, which is adding unbiblical requirements upon saved people what they have to do to continue to be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, so there's legalism that, you know, we look at in terms of someone, you know, in order to be saved, you got to believe in Jesus and X, 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 you know, whatever the extra things are. Um, that would be legalism. It's also legalism to tell someone in order to please God, you have to do these extra things that the Bible doesn't say you have to do. And so uh, we talked about that, you know, a couple times already that there are churches that would say, you know, if you're a lady, you can't wear makeup. That's legalism. The Bible doesn't say that. You know, you got to wear You can't wear pants. You know, then that's legalism. The Bible don't say that. You know, so anything we would add to is another form of legalism. And so, you know, I read this and I would you would think that, you know, that it would be unattractive. You know, the extra rules. And I, most of us don't like extra rules. Amen. So you would think that that would be unattractive. Like, what is the attraction to the believer to extra stuff, extra rules, extra, especially if they're extra biblical. And there's a couple things that I see in scripture um, that I would point to. One thing is there's there can be what we would call spiritual pride um, that because I don't, I feel proud of what I don't do. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. They had all these extra. They took the law of God and they added so much to it. Um, and then they were proud about what they didn't do. And 
What that did was made them feel better than you because you wicked, carnal, sinful, nasty person, you do it, but I don't. And so that's how I get to be better than you by what I don't do. Um, and there are people today that struggle with that. They want to feel a sense of, I just want to feel better than other people. That's why adding rules would be a temptation, you know, because again, and nobody in their flesh wants to restrict themselves extra. But if restricting myself extra makes me better than you, then I'm willing to restrict myself extra. If you want to read a chapter of the Bible where Jesus was angry, um, you can go and read Matthew 23. It's almost entirely in red letters. And Jesus wrote some of the harshest words to leave the mouth of Jesus were written to religious people that were adding to the word of God. One of the things that Jesus tells them, he calls one Jesus calls names. Uh, he calls them a brood of vipers. He calls them whitewashed sepulchers. Y'all fake. Out on the outside, you look clean, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. But then he told him this. He says, you guys travel the world to make one proselyte, one follower. And when you make when you find them and make them, he says, you make them twice the son of hell that you are. Jesus said that. I'm like, that's man, you know, twice the son of hell. <laughs> Easy, Jesus, you know, but that's how he felt about religion, because you know what religion does. Ultimately, religion blocks people from what God really wants is a relationship with you. Uh, he doesn't want a legal relationship with you. God wants to have a loving relationship with us. Amen. And so this is why Paul is arguing so fierce. Paul is uh, Paul is like a lawyer. Um, as you read through even the other books of Paul, he's he's picking a point at a time and going bam, 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 bam. Just when you get done reading this book, if you can go back and be a legalist, you didn't read it right. You know, Paul is like, I want to I want to erase this from you guys that you would be really free in Christ Jesus. And so look at now Galatians chapter four. The last verse we read was verse 11, where Paul said, look, I am afraid for you. Least I have labored for you in vain. Paul said, I'm concerned. Least I've labored for you guys in vain. You know, all that work that we put in and coming down and you guys are falling away from the truth. It would be like this. If anybody here has ever labored to lead someone to the Lord and it can be a labor because it's usually not one conversation. If you got a family member or friend that you've been sharing with and talking to and there have been multiple conversations and, you know, upset phone calls and finally they come to a place where their their eyes open, and they, they get it and you're like, boom, now they're going and they, they're walking for a while and you labored to, to, to help them walk into the truth, answering questions, pointing them to scripture, sharing the gospel, praying for them to see that person a year later. You know, you go by and they're like, oh, yeah, I was studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses, you know. You're like, no, no, I labored. No, 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 at least I labored in vain. Put that magazine away. You know, like you would, that's the concern that Paul is saying. He said, man, I'm hoping that I haven't wasted the time here. Look at verse 12 now. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. And so Paul says, look, you know, before Paul got saved, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? He was, he was a top-notch legalist, if you will. And Paul says, now I'm asking you guys to become like me because I was a legalist that got free. You guys were Gentiles. Galatians were not Jews. They were Gentiles. You guys were already free of the law and you got received Jesus Christ. And now y'all are going to the law. So he's like, I became like you guys, like a Gentile, free of the law. Now you guys become like me. And Paul is saying, look, he's asking them to follow his example um, because they're following the wrong example. Now, when it says you have not injured me at all, I was looking that up to see what is what is that in reference to? And most believe that Paul is basically saying to them, look, 
I'm not writing these things. I'm not, it's not like you guys have injured or upset me. I'm not writing these things because I'm upset with you. Uh, this isn't my rebuttal against you guys for something you did to me. This isn't being said to, to attack you guys. I'm trying to spare you guys. Verse 13, you know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And I mentioned this earlier that Paul's original trip to Galatia was he had an issue with his eyes. We don't know if it was a result of his stoning or the attack that he had or if it was just the warfare, but he had an issue with his eyes. We see that from several letters that Paul wrote. Sometimes Paul had people write for him. In another place, Paul says, see what large letters I write with, you know, because when you got bad eyes, you read and write with big letters. And so um, there was something there. But Paul, I just thought this was awesome. Paul said, I came down there because I had a physical infirmity and I was going to get medical attention. But while I was there, ended up leading, beginning this church, beginning this work. And it just speaks to me that those of us that are believers need to be opportunists for the Lord. That Paul wasn't, he didn't go to Galatia on a mission trip. He was on Galatia on another mission, on, on a whole other thing. But while there, saw a need and began to meet that need. And I would encourage us that that's how we're to live our lives. And we should be looking for opportunities to share the gospel. That we'd be an opportunist. That we'd be looking for opportunities. Anybody know somebody that's in the sales? Um, you know, I'll be at Starbucks. Starbucks seems to, you know, it, it, people that are into sales or trying to, you know, they, they just, they hang out there and they just, you can tell when you walk in, they're looking at you like, he's, trying to, he's, waiting, he's, he's, he's waiting to see when he's going to approach me and he's going to try to get me. And, you know, you walk over, hey, you know, how you doing, man? What, what do you do for a living? That's an interesting opening question. My name is Bill. What's your name? You know, so, but, you know, they're, they're wanting to engage you in something right away. Opportunist. That's, they they, they got to do, you know, I'm not knocking their hustle. You know, they got to do what they got to do. How much more are those of us that are carrying the message of life? That we need to be looking for opportunities to start conversations up wherever you go. You don't have to be. You don't even have to leave with that intent. You, I could be walking my dog, and hey, that's a nice dog. As a matter of fact, it is. What's your name? You know, just boom. There's a conversation. You could be at Starbucks, and she's somebody with a jersey of a team that you don't even like. Oh, that's your team. <laughs> All right, you just start talking, and boom. You can take any conversation and turn it gospel. You know, it, we we need to be looking for opportunities everywhere we go. Doesn't have to be a specific mission. You could be at the doctor's office. Apostle Paul was there for medical attention and, and ended up in this opportunity. You might be at the doctor's office and there will be your opportunity. So for y'all to act up at the doctor, y'all ought not to. You know, y'all need to go there and act right. You might get to witness of somebody there. So <laughs> verse uh, 14, uh, he says, and my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God or uh, even as Jesus Christ, Paul says, when I first came and he's like taking them down memory lane, Paul's reminding them how their relationship began. He said, look, when I first came, you guys received me like an angel. Angels are messengers. You guys received me as a messenger of God. He says, even as Christ Jesus, I mean, you guys took what I gave you as if it was from the Lord. If you're writing notes, I want you to write down two verses, write down Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. I'm going to read it to you. And then also write down Luke chapter 10, verse 16. Matthew 10, 40 says this, Jesus speaking. He says, he who receives you, I'm sorry, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Say, hey, the person that receives you, they receive me. And if they receive me, they receive the father who sent me. Um, and so as they receive Paul, they're receiving Jesus. Um, that's who sent Paul. When you go out to minister, People that receive you, if you're sharing the gospel, they're receiving Jesus. If they reject you, who are they rejecting? 
Jesus. And that's why believers got to be careful not to be getting all in their feelings. There are people that don't share because they're so worried about being rejected. If they reject, they're not really rejecting you, right? They're rejecting Jesus. Now, this is what it says in Luke 10, 16. It says, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So in the same way that the person that receives you, receives the Lord. Look, if they reject you, they're rejecting the Lord, you know? Now, some of you guys know, um, I have been called by some the black Cupid. And I've been, I've, been, I've been responsible for hooking up a few folks along the way in my lifetime. And if I go to brother, you know, give me a brother's name, brother Leroy, Leroy right here. If I go to brother Leroy and he's like, man, I'm really interested in Sister Sharon over there. But I, you know, I said, well, I'm going to go talk to her for you, man. Just relax. That's, hey, Sister Sharon, brother Leroy, nice guy. He's been in church here a long time. Stand up, brother. He, he actually, he's kind of interested in you, one, you know. And she said, Leroy? Oh, no, with his big, big eye, Leroy, with the, you know. And if she's just disgusted at the thought of Leroy, I said, no, no, tell, no, tell Leroy, not, I'm not interested in him. I got to go back to Leroy and say, hey, Leroy, just not a good time for her, brother. You know, she, she's involved somewhere else, you know. It's not a personal rejection, though. You guys follow what I'm saying? I'm, I don't personally take that like, man, how do why you, why you, why you not take him? I said he's a good guy, you know. I don't take that personal. It's not against me. It's against Leroy. Amen. If I'm sharing Jesus, which I really want you to receive him, I really want you to to believe what I'm telling you about him because it would be good for you. Like Leroy would be good for her, but she's not interested. I can't make her be interested. I can't make you receive the Lord, and I can't take it personal. I gotta walk away and say, okay, your loss. That's gonna be your loss. Hopefully the next person that comes, you can hear it from them. I'm so deceived. Bible says one souls, one waters, but who gives the increase? When he's good and ready. And sometimes when you've evangelized and a person gets saved right on the spot, it's that somebody's been sowing and watering for years and you just came and plucked that fruit off the tree. It feels good, but it, it, it's not as encouraging if you happen to be one that's sowing. You know, sowing a seed, you got to break up the ground and, you know, put the seed in and cover it up. And watering is not too funny. Everybody like watering, just, just watering. It just seems like I don't see anything happening yet. Nothing's happening yet. That's sometimes what evangelizes like. Nothing's happening yet, but something is happening. You sowed and you watered and now God has something to work with. God will bring the increase. Amen. And so Paul says, look, now, you know, when I first came, you guys received me even as Jesus Christ. And then verse 15, he says, what then was the blessing you enjoyed? And he's re re recounting for them. When you guys got saved, you guys enjoyed a blessing. What was the blessing you enjoyed? And I'm going to tell you, the blessing was the freedom that came from a relationship with Jesus. They were set free. They were forgiven of their sins. They had understood what grace was, that God had, God loved them for nothing, his unmerited favor. They had come under the true teaching of the gospel. And Paul said, what was the blessing you enjoyed? He's wanting them to recount and to recall this he says, for I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. And Paul said, you guys were the, the relationship between us was such that because I had messed up eyes. You guys would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. And I thought, man, I, I don't know if I had bad eyes. I don't know if anybody at this church would be like, you know what, Bill, here, you know, I'm, here's my eye. If I could, you know, Paul says the love was strong. You know, the relationship between us, it was great. And then what happened? He says, have I therefore, verse 16, become your enemy because I tell you the truth. And 
allergies pause pause it now something happened when I first came you guys received me as an angel or as Jesus Christ you guys enjoyed the blessing of salvation and the message of grace and you guys loved me so much you would have plucked out your own eyes to fix mine and now after these false teachers have come in you've been corrupted in your minds now I've become the enemy now because I tell you the truth I'm the enemy and I'm going to just say this because we people fall on both sides of this some of us are people that are, we're, we're truth tellers. We're talking to people, we're sharing the truth and love, we're ministering the truth. And it's amazing when someone wants to follow God and you're telling them the truth, they're so thankful. Oh, thank you for that. I didn't know where that was. Thank you for that. Man, they're just so edified and built up and encouraged and it actually blesses the relationship. But what happens when someone decides, kind of puts their feet in the mud and I want to continue to do this thing. And you're, be, you're the one that's telling them what the Bible says. You become the enemy. How many parents here have experienced that? Where as you stand up for what's right before your kids, who, you know, on Christmas Day, you were the best person. Yeah, mom, yeah, mom is great, you know. But now today, as I'm telling you that, no, that's wrong and that's not going to be accepted. And no, you can't go to that because the Bible says now you're the enemy. I become the enemy. Not, I haven't changed anything. You changed. Now, because of what's happening to you, I'm the enemy. So I would say this to those that are in the position of telling the truth, because it's difficult sometimes. It, it'd be difficult to be a person that tells the truth if you need to be liked. You cannot be a servant of Christ, not a faithful servant of Christ, if you need to be liked. If you need everybody to like you, if you need everybody to agree with you, if you need everybody to be your friend, then you cannot be a servant of Christ. Because sometimes telling people the truth, many times it's unpopular. It's unpopular to tell somebody the truth, but it's necessary and it might save their life. And so there are times where if you're someone that's going to stand for the truth, when you speak it, it's, it's hard to hear. You know, I've had people pin me down in crazy situations. And it's like, well, I'm a, if I tell the truth and I'm going to tell the truth, it's somebody's going to be upset here. But I know situations where telling the truth help people and people got saved and people got set free and people moved in the right direction. Um, so I would first say to those that are called to teach, called to share that we can't can't love to be liked so much. That I withhold the truth because God will have to use somebody else. You you become useless in the hand of God if you can't speak up when needed. And there are times where it might be your kids, it might be your friends, it might be a brother or sister at church that reveals something to you. And you're like, that's what you're doing? Bro, that's wrong. You're a Christian? You can't do that. That's not okay. It's not okay to continue like that. And, and it might really benefit them, but it won't be popular. Here's the flip side. If you're the person who is being told the truth and if you make the enemy, if you make those that are speaking God's truth to your enemies, you need to be careful, right? If your friends are those that, you know, agree with your lies or agree with your, you know, false living and your friends or your enemies are those that speak the truth, you have to look at your life and say, what team am I on? Um, and so it, it goes both ways. There are times where, you know, that, that, that old adage, the truth hurts. It's true. I've had the truth slap me upside the head. The truth hurts. And it doesn't matter who it comes to. I've had my kids say something truthful that was like, mm, oh, man, because it's true. You can't deny it. Can't, can't, you, know, you can't get away from it. It just, that stings. That hurts. Um, the truth will hurt sometimes. Anybody here been hurt by the truth? Right? It, it hurts. But if it's true, it behooves you to go ahead. Let me, it's hurt. That stung. Hurt my feelings. You know, but I need to receive it because it's true. If I can go back in my Bible and read it, I need to go ahead and deal with that. Uh, not run from it and not make the person that said it to me the enemy. 
because that's what happens sometimes. If I do that, I'll never grow and I won't get anywhere. And so Paul said, look, I'm the one that God sent for sure to lead you guys to Christ. Now, after these people came in, I'm the enemy. I'm, I'm the bad guy now. Obviously, the thing that changed was them. God didn't change. Paul didn't change. They changed and they needed to change back. They needed to, to turn back from where they had come from. And so maybe there's some of you here today that you need to turn back to the Lord. Maybe you've been fighting with the truth and in fighting with the truth, you fight with those that stand for the truth. And again, I, I think all the years of doing youth ministry, I saw that so often with kids and parents where there'd be kids who they just they didn't like what they were being told. And so they would fight against their parents. Some parents cower to their kids. Some parents want to be their kid's friend so bad that they they basically they back off. I've had parents that just say, you know what, they're going to do it anyways. I'd rather have them do it in my house. Really? So they fornicating in your house. They getting high and drunk at your house because it'd be better for them to do it here than do it out there. Like like they don't do it out there, too. And I've had Christian parents that they succumb to that. Well, you know, this is going to happen anyway. No, no, you got to hold up a standard. You know, you, you ain't got to know where you're going to go. You don't, we don't pay. You don't have a job yet. You know, you everything you have, you eat because I feed you. You have clothes I bought. I bought the sheets on your bed, the socks on your feet. Not here. Not going to happen because it's wrong. Parents have to hold a standard. There are parents that cower to their kids that want to be their kid's friend. The kids are mad at them. It's like your feelings are hurt. It's, it's going to be times where in order to parent godly kids in a, in a godless world, that war is going to be real sometimes. But this is what happens when kids grow up. Kids grow up and they look back with, with older eyes and they'll appreciate. I grew up and I had I have both. Right. I had a, I had a parent that fought me to for nail on everything. And I did go to war with that parent at times. I had another parent that was more relaxed. Hey, whatever you want, you know, whoop de wang. Just, just, you know, we, we were cool. We were cool. And as a kid, I thought that was so cool. You know, my friends thought it was cool. But you know, when I grew up, I realized this thing over here brought me into deeper bondage. This one over here, when I got old enough to look back, I understood that it was love. I understood that, that, that all that fighting and crying and fussing and throwing my stuff away was love. Uh, and and I, that's my mother. So my mother did some stuff that, you know, some y'all moms were crazy. You know, my mom, my mom watched a news report about, you know, how they profiled gangsters. And she was like, you know, they were talking about hats and different, you know, teens and this and that. I came home. I had all these hats nickname on this side. And you had hats to match shoes. And so you can go to Magic Mountain with the crew and everybody looked like this. And I, I never forget. I went home after school one day and I had a rack with all my hats. You know, on my wall, they were all gone. And I was like, oh, what I, I'm on punishment? You took my hats away? What happened to my hats? And I saw this thing on the news, and, and there's gangsters, and you're gonna, they're going to pick you up, and you're going to look like a gangster, they're going to shoot you, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, where are my hats, woman? I want my hats. You know, I bought those hats with my money. What happened? Them hats was gone. And she had bagged them up and sent them away. Now, here go the worst thing. Her boyfriend came over one day with one of my hats. I said, man, no, yeah, with one of my hats. No, hey, and it wasn't nothing I could do about it. Nothing I could do about it. Just deal with it. I was, I was irate, but as I grew up, I look back and think, I got kids now. 
And if I if I felt like my kids looking like this might get them shot or get them harassed, then I would say I'm I'm gonna take that away. You know, that was what she was doing. She was saying I'm, I I love you and I can't have you out there getting shot and harassed. So I'm taking all your hats. I don't care what you say. Well, bam. Um, that's what it's gonna take sometimes, parents. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. These words are so familiar now that one can breeze right past them without a thought. We can even sing the words out loudly and never think about what it means. But take a moment and put yourself in the Galatians' shoes. They've seen crucifixion before. They've probably hurried past, trying not to look at the unfortunate people sentenced to die, such a gruesome death. When people told them Christ was crucified, they knew exactly what that meant, what that looked like and sounded like. So when Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, those words would have been shocking. It paints a picture. The old me has been so violently eradicated that I cannot even think of going back. All I have now is Christ, and He lives in me. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, where we meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also here on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We'd be delighted to have you join us in person, but if you can't, we continue to stream on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. You can find all the information you need at CalvaryInglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. While you're there, you can find and download our mobile app. We're out of time for today, but we'll see you right here next time for a transforming word. Transforming Word